I'm Nathan Ashman, teacher, parent, and now podcaster. Welcome to My Students Have Taught Me. Each week, we're going to take a brief look at your teen trending topic to understand what it is, why it's popular with teens, why it might have concerned as parents and teachers, and what impact it might have on society moving forward. This week, My Students Have Taught Me about racist slurs. Today's podcast is on racist slurs and the casual use that makes saying them worse. Lack of historical context from ignorant voices. Not enough education for our language choices. Today we explore the N and the P said by KSI and the BBC. A sensitive topic, so this may take some time to explore the who, what, when, where and the why. And today I've got Cozy at Mahmood with me. Cozy, you've been in education for 30 years, is that right? Yes, that's, yeah. Tell a little bit about some of the roles that you've done. Well, I um, started off as a lecturer in Accrington Rosendale. Um, can't believe that's three decades ago now. Um, went into secondary because my kids were kind of like becoming secondary age. So and I felt like I'd disconnected from them. So I um, I went in to find out about what my kids were about, but then I ended up staying. Um, and stayed. I actually went to teach up my the school that I actually studied at for uh, 20, 21 years. Um, and in that time, did a bit of police work, done some prevent work. I'm a prevent schools champion. Um, did a lot of community cohesion stuff. And obviously the serendipity program, which was with lots of different schools that you were, you were quite involved in yeah. as well that one year. And just recently wrote a resource for the Crown Commission on that crime. Brilliant. So you've worked in schools, but also in the community, which is wonderful in terms of this podcast today. Because I really want to get a sense of how racist slurs are used in the community, but also how they've been normalised in young people and in schools as well. Because from my own personal experience as a teacher, I've found more and more that students are using the n-word and the p-word and we're, for this podcast we're going to use those terms if that's okay with you rather than say the actual yeah words. yeah absolutely yeah we'll just say the n-word and the p-word and just assume that the audience know what those words are um but i've found that young people use those terms and don't really know what they mean and are quite happy to sort of use them to each other now we're going to get into sort of like the specifics of that in terms of race and in terms of sort of different people's i guess um perception of how appropriate it is for them to say those words i would really want to delve into that but also look at the history of those words as well so if you don't mind i'll start off with my perspective on sort of the n-word if that's okay with you because yeah, absolutely, yeah. i'm uh, i'm mixed race i've got caribbean heritage i've also got a uh, white british heritage as well and from a from a very very young age my mother said to me that the n-word's wrong um it's used to belittle it's used to uh, dehumanize people and you shouldn't say it. And she said, from my perspective, that no one should say it at all. So that's black people, white people, anyone should not say that word because of the way it's been used in the past. Um, it was used against me at school, so I'd be you know, teased and um, there was racism against me using that word. So I've never used it myself. I don't use it. And I'm somebody who grew up listening to Tupac and, and Dr. Dre and Eminem and and heard people using, heard rappers using those words and in those songs, and I'd want to learn the raps and rap along, but I would, I would admit those words. Almost sing like a, like a radio edit, if you like, of, a, of the, those, 
of those rap artists because I wouldn't say it because yeah. to me it was it had such sort of historical um, context of demeaning people and of the slave trade and so much more to it than just a word which is used in rap music Yeah, that I just don't use it. I even admit it now when I'm teaching things like um, Of Mice and Men, which we'll come on to as well. So from your perspective, in terms of you've, you've got South East Asian heritage, is that right? Yeah, my parents were um, from Pakistan. So they, they came home, my father came over here to, um, he was actually asked to come to do a job. Um, there were quite a lot of uh, work, well, there was a lot of work in industry at the time that um, was quite risky. So he used to work with um, poisonous chemicals. Um, so he was invited to come and work and obviously took the opportunity, came over in 59, mm-hmm. settled, well, tried to settle in London. Um, I found it really, really difficult and ended up in Accrington, of all places. I do say to him, how did you get from London to Accrington? But uh, um, so I do find it quite, quite um, ignorant when people say, oh, you know, people come over and take yeah. our jobs and... Well, no, actually, it was a job that people didn't, wouldn't do here, mm-hmm. you know, and there was a reason behind it. But um, in, I kind of like went to school in the, in the 70s, um, and I think at the time we were the only Pakistani family in, we lived in a little village called Church, and um, the only school there was a Baptist school. So, ironically, because my mum never spoke a lot of English, but we ended up in the, having a Baptist education. I think it's because there was a piano there as well, and my dad was quite musical right. as well. Um, but I do remember, I, I remember looking back, whenever I think about the 70s, I always remember how frightened I was about leaving the house and the kind of racial tension that I would personally come up against but not within education at all. This was just out, out really in the community. Right. I think in school it was different for me because I was kind of like seen as being quite bright. So I think there were, my year group, I think there were probably a total of maybe 10 Pakistanis in the entire year group, uh, probably about 20 in the entire school. And two of them were my brothers as well, and one of them was my younger sister. Um but because I was quite bright, I think that kind of saved me a little bit right. because I was getting, you know, top grades and I was a grade A student and involved in, in everything around school. So I think my kind of like my race, my colour, my background melted away just because of a lot of the, the stuff I was doing in school. Um, but this is at the height of the National Front as well at the time. Yeah. Um but outside of school, I I would be terrified of going out because I think the the, the racism in in church at the time was it was actually it was it was quite severe. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of uh, beatings going on, a lot of people being being kind of like ambushed, and you know, um, it was quite horrible. There were there'd be graffiti everywhere, you know, um, people kind of like putting NF everywhere, and. Yeah. You know, um, and it only struck me a bit later on how terrified I was basically for a good 10 years of my life. That if I went out, you know, I was in danger kind of thing. But you don't think about it, you just survive it through. But I think my dad being my dad, um, 
he was he was he's a fantastic role model for um to talk about integration and he encouraged us um not to speak Punjabi basically. So my poor my, my mother didn't speak a word of English. But my father always said, like, you know, you need to keep your accent very English and very British, he said, because he said, unfortunately, he said, if you've got a bit of a twang, he said, you will be discriminated against in, in you know, the field of work. Um, which, to a certain extent, I think it's true. I guess in speaking to you, people might not know straight away just from hearing your voice, in fact, that you do have not Pakistani all. heritage. No, no, I actually, well, I, the first time I went to uh, to Pakistan in 1984, I remember landing at Heathrow Airport. And I asked somebody if they were in queue. And this, this blog was like, he started shouting his friends over going like, just say that again, say that again. I went, Sonny, I asked if you were in queue. And Pakistani with a Lancashire accent. <laughs> oh, yeah, like this. So it was quite, you know, but wow. I think that was because we were guided that way. And obviously my sister, who was, you know, who does quite a lot of work on the TV as well. Um, I think that helped her quite a lot because she wasn't actually typecast as being... Asian heritage was typecast as being a Lancashire lass, you know, from the north. So that helped her too. There's no denying no. Um, but I'm a Lancashire lass. Absolutely. For sure, you know. But I think because of that, I think that people saw me differently. I was actually talking to somebody on the way here and I was saying like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, this interview with uh, with Nathan and um, this particular person, before he knew me, um when he would hear things that, 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 that both me and you would consider as being racist, mm. um, he would laugh along and, you know, have a have a joke about it. And not so long ago, after he got to know me, uh, he now takes it quite personally. Yeah. And, you know, actually ended up almost fighting somebody because they had said something that now he classes as derogatory because he knew me. But not before that. We were just having a discussion about that. But I said, you know, why did you change your perspective? He said, because I know you and I know who you are and I know who you're about. And he said, and it offends me now. Mm-hmm. Whereas once upon a time, I would probably have been a part of that conversation. So um, I think a lot of racism comes from people feeling different um, or the people are different to them. And what I've always said to students at school is that find commonalities first. What what are your similar interests? Might be your favourite bands or favourite TV shows, wherever that might be. But then you can then celebrate differences. You don't have to necessarily find find what the differences are straight away. Point them out first. Yeah. Find the commonalities first. Yeah. And I think once you have that understanding, that actually, you know what? Pretty much all, all the same. How we, you know, we, we get up in the morning, we work, we go to bed at night. Um, we have different interests. We, we can easily get on. We've got similar things that, that, we, that uh, motivate us in the day. And of course, then that understanding comes and then there's more empathy that comes from that and friendships grow. And then, yeah, I, I've had the same experiences where people have realised, actually, no, what, what I've said before or what I laughed about before actually was, was pretty offensive. Because they know you personally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think you're right there. I think that that also when we talk about race and we talk about culture, you know, um, it, it isn't black and white. You know, I always... Um, say to to kind of like um white british people you're not purely english no. there is no such thing as a as a as a as a purely english person and they'll be like what do you mean 
I said, well, do you know how many times England's been invaded? Yeah. You know, we've got the Normans, we've got the, the, the Romans, we've got the Vikings. I said, do you want me to go on a little bit? You know, there was the, the, um, the you know, the huge kind of like Spanish Empire and then the Ottoman Empire. I said, do you name it? You know, um, you you are a mixture of, and they're not happening. It's like you, you can't just be an, in, be an indigenous one population. We, it doesn't make sense for you to do that. So if you kind of look back at your heritage, we actually ran something at school before you came off to the academy, um, and it was to do with DNA and where yeah. you could actually have a test and um, you can actually find out what your heritage is. That's right. And what you can do is like, you know, and some of the, some of the kids were, were quite shocked because they thought, oh, I'm white and I'm, I'm English and I'm British. And uh, and then they found out that their ancestors were from Spain or from Africa yep. or from Germany. And it completely changed their perspective of themselves and everybody else as well. You know, so it, that was quite an interesting one as well. I wish people would talk about race a little bit more. Yeah. In terms of what do, what does race actually mean? You know, is it where you're born, where you live, and where you end up? Uh, or is there a little bit more to it? And, yeah. You know, it's quite interesting how people don't see beyond that, really. I think a lot of people just see skin colour as well, don't they? Just exactly, sort of the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Coming back to um, when you were younger and the racism that you experienced, was the P word used? All the time. All the time. It was, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was then, it still is. So fancy, but it's just sometimes my my family will say it in jest, right? And I go absolutely nuts, and I'll just say, "Don't you dare say that word!" It's you know you 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 you're making fun of something that a lot of people have been hurt by. Yeah, you know it's caused a lot of problems. It's it's derogatory, uh, and somebody said to me, "Oh well, it's, you know you'd call somebody um, from Scotland a Scot." I said, but that's not that's not offensive. No. You know, this th- this has been done offensively, you know, and I know growing up and seeing that word, you know, kind of like painted on walls, yeah. um, I think to a certain extent, I think it really, really marred my childhood, you know, in that it made me feel like I didn't belong and I mm-hmm. so desperately wanted to, but, you know, couldn't do because we were facing these barriers all the time. You know, and even now, I'll be honest with you, I mean, even at my age now, I forget my race and I forget my background, I forget my culture until I'm minded, you know, mm. oh, actually, you know, um, I'm not I'm not purely English, I'm not purely British, but something will be said and I'll just think, oh, that's just taking me back. Yeah, because you're proud to be years. British and part of Absolutely, the British, British yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, I am British, yeah. you know. Um, I'm British and I'm Pakistani, and when I go to Pakistan, I'm Pakistani. Uh, when I'm in Lancashire, I'm a Lancashire yep. you know. Um, when they're all down at the pub, I'm down at the pub. When they're all having um, a, an Asian wedding, I'm there, you know, in all my regalia. So I just fit in wherever, and that's the way I've been brought up. Mm. You know, my father's always said to me, just fit in and respect people's cultures. So, fully enough, when I actually do go to Pakistan, they do not know I'm from England because I, I fit in so, yeah. so easily. Yeah. You know, and that's just to do with respect and, you know, and I wear the veil and, you know, and I'm, I dress quite modestly and, you know, not that I don't anyway, but, um, you know, I really, really do fit in there. And they're like, you from England? Like, no way. 
you know, because I do, you know, it, that's just about respect though, isn't it, as well? Someone said to me, oh, you can't call me a Brit. Oh, I'm going to be offended by that. And um, yeah, if I, if I say the P word, then I was like, whoa, whoa, just stop. Let's just stop right there. Just hold that conversation right there. Think about how the word Brit is used. Is the word Brit used to dehumanize somebody, to belittle them, to make them feel worthless, to make them feel like they're an animal, to make them feel like they are uh, less of a, a human than, than you are, to make them feel like they're, they're lower class or lower than lower class? Yeah. Is the word Brit used in that, in that instance? No. But the P word and the N word are. So that's why you can't say those words. That's why people are offended by them. You've got to look at the historical context behind it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got quite passionate about sort of get, getting to my point. But um, and, and I think there's a real confusion with young people, especially because for various reasons. So the N word, especially, is used in popular music, in rap, in rap music. Um, and it's also used on TikTok and social media by white people and black people. And sometimes there's real confusion with young people about exactly why people are using that word. Is it just a, a word that's, that's cool to use almost? Um, and they don't understand the historical context behind the words. How on earth do we educate young people that these words are negative, are offensive, have a real historical context behind them and you shouldn't use them? I think I, I think they are aware. I, I don't think that... I know that, I mean, sometimes when, when you know, um, I mean, fortunately, I work, I work in a school where um, I've never actually experienced anything that, that's even kind of like been racially orientated at all. But I know that sometimes when the the students are leaving and they've got the TikTok on and this word comes up, they will immediately switch it off. Right. So, but I'm, do, I'm not... But do, they, do they know why they're switching it off? They, well, I think because they know it will offend me. And maybe it's because I'm not white. Um, now, whether they'd carry on playing that if I weren't there is a different matter altogether. Yeah. Because, you know, I think if they're out amongst the friends, they, they don't see it as, as offensive. But I, I think I think they are aware of of the connotations it has. And I mm. think, otherwise, why would they switch it off in front of me? Yeah, I think you're right. You I know, think... they're, oh, sorry, miss, you know, switch it off really, really quickly. I think young people are definitely aware that some of those words they shouldn't say, especially in school or around certain people. However, like you said, in, in their own home, um, if a video comes up on their phone, I think they're probably just going to carry on, carry on Absolutely, watching it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and my daughter, I was talking to her about this podcast and I said, um, you know, have you ever heard the N-word used at school? And she said, yeah, yeah, I've heard it loads of times. And I said, okay, who, who says it? And she said, it's mainly black people saying it to black people. And I think that's an interesting thing as well, because I was always brought up that you shouldn't say full stop. Um, modern society and culture and films and TV and music say it's okay for black people to say it to black people, almost like uh, it's been reclaimed and re- reappropriation, I guess, of the word um, to actually know this, this is um, this is the word that we, we can use, we can reclaim it as a form of power. I don't necessarily think that's still the, the case. I, I don't, just don't like using the word full stop. As soon as I hear it, I shudder. And think, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's something which I just find massively negative and, and offensive. And we've had students at school who we had to discipline for saying it to, so black, black child saying to black child, I had to discipline them in the same way if, they, if a, a white person said to sue a, um, a black child, because they need to understand that it's a racist slur full stop and nobody in school can say it. No absolutely. one's allowed to say it at all. Um, now, I guess it goes to the same with the P word. In terms of other instances, 
that you've experienced where it's kind of been allowed or appropriate to say it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. This this may shock you a little bit because it really, really shocked me. And um, I think since I've, I've kind of like been working in different schools, um, I have kind of learned that it's almost like the way the, the the groups come together. And I was at this particular school. Um, I won't I won't say which school it was because it, it is an absolutely amazing school. But um, I I do make it my business to get in with the kids and you know see what's what and you know learn all the the new vernacular and everything so I can I can pretend I'm cool kind of thing. Yeah, I do that. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what this podcast all about. Try, yeah. <laughs> um, and this one particular day. Um, I'd actually I heard somebody say the P word and the N word, and it was kind of like brushed off by another student. And I was thinking, "What's going on here?" And apparently, there was there's a bit of a thing at the minute where um, if you are Pakistani or you are um, black, that you can actually give a license within the group say right go on then mm. actually right, I'm giving you a license now you can call me derogatory words and I was absolutely mortified yeah um spoke to to the uh the assistant head straight away who was straight on it because he didn't have a clue what was going on yeah um and most of the most of the kids who would actually give them permission to people to do this were Pakistani Pakistani males right and I was just, I was absolutely mortified. I was like, what are you doing? Well, I'm giving him permission. I said, you're giving him permission to be racist? Well, yeah, because like, it's all right because we've given him permission to do it. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, the, nobody should have permission to do anything like that. I said, and, and, and how, how do you own that? You know, what? Me, well, it's about me. So, you know, after this very, very long discussion, it was like banned, you know, from that happening. Um, but I don't, I don't know how long that was going on for until I was there. So whether it's because I was Pakistani that he stood out to me more. I mean, I think if I heard that, I would be appalled as well. I think anybody, any teacher, I think any teacher would. I mean, it's a lot of power to assume, isn't it, for a young person Absolutely, to say that? Absolutely, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I can get permission for you know years, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of years of sort of um, racial prejudice, but it's okay. I get permission. <laughs> I can own that. Oh, it was crackers, yeah, yeah. And it was actually called. It was actually called the 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 racial license, and it was kind of like handed out at break times, and it was kind of like used um, up to. I think you could use it up to a certain time. Well, and it was like no way, this 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 is not happening, kind of thing, you know. But I suppose it's that kind of like thinking about, well, you know, why do they think it's okay? Uh, there's definitely a normalisation. So this is an interesting story to tell you about. So when my son was uh, eleven years old, no, ten years old, I went to pick him up from a friend's house. We had like a play date with a, with a mate that gone around. And they were just gaming, um, and I went around to pick him up. And as I walked, this was a white family. So I walked through the door, mum invited me in, and the two boys then came downstairs. And the young boy said to his mother, as you can downstairs, what's up, ma? N-word. And then I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? I didn't say anything. I think my face said, said it all. I said, Theo, come on, mate. I think it's time to go. Come on, off, off we pop. Because my son's a mixed race as well. Yeah. Um, now, whether they knew that or not, it didn't really matter for me. I, I was stood there, 
and um, it, it just absolutely shocked me. And I think that um, that kind of that that way that the, the N words used, "What's up, ma?" is in yeah. it's in it's in TV, it's in film, it's in music, and I have seen videos where um, white people have said it to white people. As almost like a term of endearment, as, yeah. as, as, as if to say, "What's up, mate? My mate, or yeah. you know, how's it how's it going?" But they use that term, and I think some young people, it's so normal for them to say it. They just say it every day. They've never been challenged on Absolutely it, and yeah. they just say it. And now maybe I should have really challenged that mum at the time, but I didn't want to make it awkward for my son. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Let's just go. I'm not going back here to play again." <laughs> Uh, and I guess I guess I'm laughing about it, but it's really sad, though, isn't it? Really, no, think it about is. It. it is absolutely. I think one of the problems is is that um, it isn't challenged enough, and I don't think it's because it's not challenged within education. It absolutely, is. Yeah, it starts in the home. Absolutely, you yeah. know. Um, and I think sometimes, and and it isn't an excuse, and it isn't a valid reason, but I think in this day and age as well, I think because there are very few stay-at-home parents. You know, you you need one man, dad to go out and and earn, and 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 sometimes they are are so busy putting food on the table yeah. that these things actually they have no importance to them. You know, at the end of the day, they just need to pay the bills. You know, and make sure that the kids have got food. So they're not going to emphasise it. They're not going to you know sit down and have that chat about it because you know in today's society you just can't afford to to be at all. You may not even be aware if if your children are on social media, on YouTube, on TikTok. You may not even be aware that they're seeing videos that kind of normalise it. I want to talk about KSI for a minute. So, famous influencer, YouTuber, boxer, um, prime sort of promoter, um, mil- tens of millions of followers, influence, and said the p word on his side men, side men, side man, side men YouTube channel. And I got he um and got loads and loads of backlash, which is the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. However, the video itself, first of all, was put was put on YouTube and KSI has to follow the community guidelines, but that's had to go through some sort of process to even get on YouTube in terms of this is a media production. Yes, you could just say it's a YouTuber at home, but he has such a following and such a sort of um production team around him. That someone's edited that, someone's seen the context of the video where people are laughing at the P word, and they've still seen it okay to upload that onto a social media platform. And it's only when there's been some backlash against it that he's then been taken down on social media and he's then apologised for it. Now, that to me screams massive normalisation of the use of racist slurs Mm -hmm. to the extent where you've got echo chambers of the internet, which are just almost law unto themselves and yeah. think you know what it's okay if we post it onto social media and parents will have a clue but how, i mean how far can you control that there is so much um it's like a million doors open isn't there yeah. you know it's like i always say to people how many people would you open your door to your front door to and that's what you're doing on social media you're yeah. opening all those doors that's a great way of looking at it and i think it's just so difficult to to keep tabs on what is going on, um, it's just massive. It's, it's just it's just huge, isn't it? I mean, how how do you police something like that? How do you make sure that every single video that is put up, you know, follows guidelines? And you know, I, I think a lot gets through that that shouldn't be on. 
totally. But I think as a, as a parent, I think I always try to emphasize the responsibility of parents and how they talk to their children about what they're watching on social media and make sure they can have a look at what their kids are watching on social media. I think, to be honest with you, I think that um, I think the lockdown played a massive part yeah. in. Um, I suppose, I suppose a lot, a lot of young people turned to social media um, for for company, for mm-hmm. friendship. That became their friendship site basically because they could manage to physically see anybody. Um, and I think that did did kind of like open the door to to. Uh, I think that opened a kind of worms that previously wouldn't have actually been opened. Um, and unfortunately, for some parents, social media has become the modern day babysitter. Yep. And it's really sad to to say that and and think that, but you know, video gaming, the online community gaming, has become the new babysitter of life. Well, as long as they're out of the way, and you know, we know where they are. They're not out on the streets. They're they you know they're sat in the home. They're safe. You know, they're not uh, out on street corners and and causing a problem. Um, and they're actually more in danger on social media of being educated in their own way than they would be out on the street. probably learn more out on the streets, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a sign of the times. I think, again, that's a sign of, of, of parents just not having the time Yeah. to, you know, come. I, and I do know some really, really strict parents. And I, I know one particular mother who actually disconnects the internet. And I love her. I think she's absolutely amazing. Ooh. I get parents come to me and like parents teams and things and saying, "What can I do? What on earth can I do?" And I'm like, "You're in control. You but you pay for the mobile phone contract. You bought the mobile phone. You 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 pay for the internet to come into the house. Just turn it off. You know, you have Absolutely, that control. Yeah. Or take the games console away. You have that control over your children. But I think I don't know whether it's some parents are, are worried about the fallout, what that might happen if they take all those things away, um, or they haven't done that." groundwork earlier on and then all of a sudden to then try and implement it would, yeah, yeah, would, yeah. would destroy relationships. I think you're right. Like, I think it's a double edged sword there because you can you need to you need to keep up with the times as well. And I think it's really important that that we are, you know, um technologically quite savvy. Definitely. I think as parents and as as kids because that's the way, you know, that's where we're heading, you know, we're we're heading towards artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a bit of a fear of people being left behind. But in doing that, there's a bit of a sacrifice being made there as well. Is that you know, unfortunately, you can't you can't police that door. You you can't you do not know what is going to come through that door. So I think you're right. I think you either close the door completely, or you open. There's no in between, really. Well, you answer the door, or you answer the door together. Yes. You know, you, you, yeah. you're with your children as they answer the door. Absolutely. So, like you say, you're strangers at the door. You're not going to let your kid just go and, and answer, are you? Exactly. You're going to go, going to go yeah. with them or before yeah. them. Yeah, and, and I do talk. You know, I do talk to parents about this, and 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 I do say, you know, you know, how many people would you let into your house? Well, that's different. Well, no, it isn't actually because you know your your children are conversing with these people. You do not know what conversations are going on. You know the amount of of grooming that is going on, um, especially during lockdown. Was if you actually look at the percentages, it was really it was a bit of a no-brainer. This was this was going to happen. Yeah, um, and it should have been controlled a little bit better than it was. But um, you know, kids don't watch TV anymore. 
True. You know what? It's like, you know, my son came around last week and put EastEnders on and I went, oh, is that still going? Kind of thing. You know, it's dark. People are on, on phones and, and my sister, bless her, she's, uh, she's, she's due to retire. And I was having this conversation with her the other day and I just said, oh, so I'm not, not talking to you anymore. And she said, why not? I said, because you just got this new phone. Your phone's in front of you all the time. And we sat down for dinner and she had a phone on the table and my great nephew had his phone on the table and I went, I'm sorry, but this is not phone dinner. Yeah. You know, and they're on the phones while they're eating. I said, no, no, not happening. Put your phones away, you know, and uh, bless this is my older sister again. Her eye could tell it off from me of like, we don't have phones at the table. Brilliant. Kind of thing, you know, but it's, it's how many how many parents do that? I know. We try, we, we, we do the same at home as well with our children. You know, phones are away and we're having a meal and we, we talk to each other and we converse. And we say why as well, you know, it's important to not just say demonize these, these things, but Absolutely. educate children yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, um, one good thing I think about the KSI thing is that people are aware. So he took himself off social media and then people were aware, okay, young people I'm talking about were aware that this is a word that shouldn't be used and there's a conversation to be had about around racial slurs. One thing more recently is a student, I think this was a, this is a student from Northern Ireland called Angel Manday from Belfast who said that she wants to take the of mice and men off the syllabus because he uses the n-word and when she hears that n-word she shudders now i've taught this book i taught this book as as recent as last year and when i teach it i don't say the n-word so when it, and i tell students why i say right i'm going to read this but when we get to this word i'm not going to say it and i say why i'm not going to say it because i find it offensive and we go over the context of the word as well to really get to understand that okay at this time when this book was written and with these characters in it um that here is a character who's being demeaned here's a character who's being dehumanized and this book is about that time when it happened so this book isn't being offensive to the people who read it necessarily intentionally it's a story based on a time when these things were said but i still don't want to say the word now this is interesting because she said that it's not, she said, it's not just black students who've been offended by the use of the word, but also white students as well who've been offended by the use of the word because it's the, it's a trigger word, isn't it? All of a sudden, it, you know, you, um, your adrenaline starts pumping when, when I hear the word anyway. You think, oh, buy me that. We shouldn't be saying that. I think, I think in a, in a, in a literature context, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's, I think it'd be more shocking for the kids to count. But, you know, I mean, it's, of mice and men is one of those. The thing is, it's, it's, it's a historical book as well. And I, I agree with you in that it's actually, I mean, Crooks, who who plays the, uh, he's kind of like the stable hand and, and he, he lives in the, like, literally like a cleaning cupboard. That's his, that's his room. And he well, actually... It's a corner of the stable, isn't it, where he lives? Yeah. He lives with the animals. Yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, and he, he does say quite a few times you know, within the text and on the film as well, you know, which which was a really, really successful film is, is you know, it's because I is black and he yeah. says that quite a lot. Um, there isn't a reason that that word cannot be taken out of the film because it's in the film as well. Yeah. Uh, and then taken out of the book because, it, you know, it is, it is a derogatory word, but, you know, this is about 
the Great Depression in America, you know, the amount of people that, that suffered and struggled and, and had to find work elsewhere because of, you know, the Wall Street crash, the, the Dust Bowl. You know, this is it's almost like it's almost like not recognising the potato farming in, in Ireland. Yeah. You know, but that we you can't take an entire book off a curriculum because of a word. Remove the word. Just yeah. move the word out or, you know, blank it out, bleep it out because the history of, of, of America and the Depression um, and kind of like where, and the American dream and, you know, it's it's kind of like the, the backbone of what America is now. Yeah. Really, and then you have the you know, and it wasn't just just uh, racist comments. It was very very derogatory towards women as well. You know, there is one woman yeah. in the book. She's Kelly's wife. She doesn't even have um, a name. No, she's not. What I find interesting though, in terms of you could admit, you could admit the word, you could put maybe some asterisks in there, perhaps. However, this it's been done. It's been written a, a long time ago, and. What it means is I'm able to have a conversation with students in my classroom about the word, about the use of the word, and educate them around it and say, look, this is, this is, this is um, the world now. Yeah. This was the world then when yeah. it was written, and this is the world then when it was written about. And the same with Curly's wife. We had that um, conversation as well. This character was not even given a name. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, had a tra- very tragic end. Sorry, spoiler, spoiler there for Curly's wife. <laughs> um, but... We have that conversation as well, and yeah, saying that like, this this was this was a book written at this time about this time, and I don't necessarily think you need to omit those things completely because the conversation you have around them is really rich and educates children. It's not going to not going to go out of the lesson thinking I'm now going to use that word. They're going to say actually I know more about why the word's not used. I think you're right. I think it's a really good point that you're making is that you know in in kind of like raising how it's used in a drug drug to wear, you know. I mean, uh, Steinbeck, he wrote a story, you know, which was based on history, basically. Um, and within that, you do have a black character, you have a female character, you have a disabled character. You know, there's every kind of person in there. Really, it's not just about, you know, a black person. So all these different, it's almost like... Um, a representation of the American society as it was then. Yep. You know, and um, really victims of American society as well. So I think you're absolutely right to say, you know, yeah, carry on teaching it. Um, I'm like you, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say the word um, or allow somebody else to say it either. But I think, I think to highlight it and actually say, well, you know, this is what life was like then. And this is what, you know, it's, it's very, very derogatory. I think it, I think that's a good way forward with that one. To completely take it off the curriculum doesn't really help anything, really, because it's almost like burying, you know, um, the connotations it has with it as well. And, yeah. and you'll never get away from that at the end of the day, you know. Um, it's a bit... I don't know whether you've ever seen uh, East is East. I have, yeah. Oh, in there. I mean, these the P word quite a lot in there, you know. And they're very kind of like they're that family kind of like reminds us of our family, you know. Right. Apart from certain aspects of it, you know, um, that are just quite farcical. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like um, the the little boy says when the the because they've arranged the marriage to these two girls, and he actually stands up and says, he says. 
oh, the, the peas are coming, the peas are coming, you know, and it's 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 seen as as being quite com- you know comedic, but yeah. it's, it really is it's not funny. Yeah. Um, but that I suppose that's how they they probably would wouldn't have. You didn't really see yourself as being Pakistani, really. I think you were more kind of more British mm. in that sense, you know. Um, I'm very, very separated from your history. You know, I do have this, this, um, it does irk me a little bit that um, I do when I talk to a lot of Pakistani students about their heritage and I'll say, well, actually, you know, we're actually all from India. Yeah. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. You know, it's only since 1947. What are you talking about? And it's parents have not actually sat them down and said, you know, this is your history. You know, fair enough, they're learning Shakespeare and they're learning about Vikings and Anglo-Saxons. They have no clue about their own background or their own history, you know, and, and I do not understand why a predominantly... Asian Heritage School is actually not teaching the kids about their own history before or alongside the British history as well. It's a really good point. Crackers. And again, that's another reason why students are going to be sort of using those words and normalise those words because they don't understand where those words come from. Absolutely. They have no idea of their own history, their own heritage. And that's why I also think it's important not to necessarily edit um, books from the past because they do help us learn about a time as well yeah and yeah we can otherwise we just brush things under the carpet and pretend that they never happened when actually acknowledge something that's happened acknowledge something exists but then think about well this is the world we want to live in or the world we, we're moving towards we're living in now and let's make a difference let's make it different You've got to know about what's what's gone before you True. to do that. Yeah, and a lot of I mean, a lot of the parents don't even understand the history either. So, because they've had the same kind of experience that you know, growing up in that, I think we were, I think we were very interested in history. You know, I did a a project in school, and it was the Who Am I project, and it was actually getting kids to look at their own background, their own history, and. You know, and and the look on 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 one boy's face when he realised that his great great grandparents were Indian was just he didn't know whether whether to laugh or cry. At the look, it was like, oh my god, like so I'm actually Indian. Well, yeah, that's what I've been trying to explain to you that that's your heritage. You know, you are Pakistani now. You know, but Pakistan's only been here since 1947. And he was completely shocked. He was utterly shocked. He was like walked around with his mouth open all day going like, my girl, we're from India. We're Indian. You know, and there was quite a lot of conflict, but it was a conflict between um, Muslims and largely Mus- Muslims and Hindus. It was nothing to do with being Indian or being Pakistani. You know, it was a religious conflict. That went on there, and and you know they're not aware of the, of the of the absolute massacre that went on, and how many people actually died. You know, my grandparents were very aware of what went on um, at that time. You know, as my my parents were taught about it as well. But it was it's it's actually not highlighted in education. In fact, my my kids had no idea about what happened in 1947 until we watched um, this Marvel. 
the series recently, well, recently, a couple of years ago. And um, that's a really interesting depiction, in fact, of, of what happened a lot of time ago in terms of these big trains full of people. And I find it so interesting because you don't see anything within popular culture that um, makes any sort of historic reference to that time. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I think when, when Gandhi came out, um, and I think that, you know, having the, the, the very prominent actor in there who, you know, I, I think they were kind of like hoping would would help to, to kind of like open, you know, people's eyes in terms of what went on there. And he's an absolutely amazing job in that. That that shows very, very clearly historically what happened. And, you know, when, when, when Mountbatten actually, you know, in the end kind of like came out of India and the, uh, the aftermath of that. Um, it's there to be seen. It's whether I think it, it's got to be parents first. You know, I mean, we can we can only do so much in school, and it like myself. You I mean you you get the child when eleven plus, and there's um you know they always say that you know what a child learns up to the age of eleven usually shapes who they're going to become. Yeah. You know, um, and, and and it's getting in a little bit earlier as well, isn't it? But then, do we re-educate the parents first? Probably need to. I mean, to the education around language, I think it's really interesting because some kids at school understand that racism is wrong. However, they aren't confident enough or don't feel comfortable enough in addressing difference in race. So, for instance, I've heard some kids say, oh, um, call someone black or brown. And then someone jumps in and says, that's racist. No, that's not racist. You're identifying someone's someone's colour in their skin. That's okay. You you can do that. You're not saying it in a negative way. Um, But I don't think there's enough education around the language that's used in primary schools or in secondary schools. So just to sort of finish off today, and don't mean to put you on the spot, but because you've got experience in, you know, creating these resources for schools and wonderful projects and community projects, how do you think we then go about creating resources or we go about educating children about the language they use to do with race i think i think that you know i mean part of the the the, the pshe program um i think not enough of it actually tackles i think because a lot of it is is kind of like centered around uh safety for young children and i think that's absolutely right to do that as well um you know especially in terms of um exploitation uh and vulnerable students but I think it does need to be, you know, there needs to be a, like a, a whole curriculum on its own, really, basically, that um, that addresses the problems behind it because if they don't get it at home and we don't do this at school, um, and it's also whether I think a lot of teachers don't necessarily feel comfortable in delivering it, and I think it's, it's promoting that confidence within within staff as well. I mean, I remember when, um, you know, we were we went down um, from Lancashire to London to to talk to schools about the Prevent program, which you would have thought would have been the other way around. And I think that was because we were more comfortable in doing it. Yeah, you know, we were. But I think I think nine eleven was a bit of a a, um, a, a point where. Um, I think people started seeing um, Muslim a, people in a different light. Yeah, it was a catalyst for Islamophobia, wasn't it, massively? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think that, 
you know, I would I would have to. I did. Ha- I had a conversation with um, with the head teacher and and said that it actually does, you know, dictate the kind of teachers that are being employed in school as well. Unfortunately, because everybody became a suspect, anybody and everybody. And I remember that time. I mean, I was actually at uh, St Christopher's at the time. So I was in Church of England school. I think I was the first Pakistani female, well, yeah, Pakistani female Muslim woman to work in a Church of England school. So you can imagine I'm shocked when I, you know, this Lancashire lass kind of like walked in and completely turned all their ideas upside down. But, I mean, I remember the day that happened and I remember being being at St. Christopher's um, and I do recall after that how how people were viewed, and it really, really did make a massive difference in within within you know school recruitment as well, which is which is a bit of a shame. But I think the way forward with it is, you know, you do need to. I think, like yourself, you need to address it. You need to look it in the eye. You need to see for what it was, in order to. Um, recognise it for what it is because if you don't know what it was you're not actually going to see the problem behind the words that you're using so the history does need to be looked at the the, the PSHE curriculum is the way that it's actually um, I mean I use a lot of that for to rather than I have crime resource as well in looking at how we relate to people and relationships to how people get into crime and you know, the friendship groups uh, peer pressure etc uh, and yet nothing is said about about race, about racism, about how we view, uh, you know, using certain words, you know, put it, put, put it into the programme. Yeah, totally. You know, expose it, uh, look at the history of it, look at where it was, and then look at where it is now, and just educate people about it. Brilliant. Uh, so to, to summarise then, there's a few different ways into this in terms of looking at individual context but also looking at individuals in terms of reflecting on your own heritage, who you are, where you come from, looking at history and see how that then um, impacts on what happens now and next as well. And I think also you, you mentioned a little bit there about who's in the school. So who's confident enough to talk about these things as well, you know? So do we need to be um, employing more ethnic minorities, people of colour, to be able to speak about these things with confidence in schools where um, students can get more education, if parents aren't doing it, um, yeah, I think I think you don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, from a from a, an ethnic background. You know, um, Stephen Archer. Well, you will not mind me using his name. Um, Stephen Archer was uh, he's he's very very pivotal in the Blackburn community, right? Uh, and I would, I would, you know, hand on heart say that he probably knows more about the Pakistani culture in Blackburn than than myself. He is so it's not about him having that same experience. It's about him getting out and getting to know about it. He actually drove the prevent agenda mm-hmm. from Blackburn. Right. What I learned from him, from a white person from London, with a very very South London accent. Um, was quite an eye-opener for me. Uh, and that was about him being on the ground, going out and actually finding out what was going on. So it's not necessarily about being from that background because no. you can be from that background and still not know anything. 
That's very true. That's the yeah. thing, you yeah. know. Um, I think it's going to be about people who have a passion for it, people who are willing to learn about it themselves. Um, if you're not willing to learn about it yourself, how are you going to pass that, that torch on? I think I meant more that if you have people of different ethnicities in the school, then students are going to see positive role models who are saying things that they should and shouldn't say and that they may then think have, has more credibility. Um, for instance, the sort of black community at my school in particular, um, when there's sort of like a racist incident that might happen, I don't always think that school are going to sort it out. Um, now, so I think some of it's down to um, cultural, um, I guess, cultural norms, um, but it's also down to the people that they see in power in the school as well. So I think if we do have more teachers uh, at school who are people of colour, then I think students will understand the world a bit better and be able to then see themselves as a part of that society and culture and not not, not so marginalised where they're using words that are for us and not for you. It becomes more of a, a community. Yeah, it's quite interesting what you just kind of like said there because it is something that I haven't thought of for, for quite a while um, in that um, a lot of the schools where I've worked you know there there hasn't been um, people on SLT or in senior management that that um, have been from from an ethnic background um, and I think where where they have um for different reasons, it, it hasn't actually lasted very long. So, and, and I think that, you know, I think that that doesn't. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the different the, the star academies now, you know, which kind of like started in with Tohedal, that's completely different now because it's you know it's that kind of like that background that's actually leading the way. They're paving the way there because they're you know they deliver an education of excellence, mm-hmm. basically, which have now kind of like widened and. You know, but um, but you know, why why are ethnic minorities still now? Only say call it call it a minority anymore, really. You know, why are why are they not more um, people like you know in in senior leadership positions? I mean, I know the head teacher from Blackburn Central actually she did her her training with me, and she worked in in my department when I was. Um, Heading basic skills over at Accrington Rosdale, who she's now a head teacher, um, and has worked very, very hard to get there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do also know of teachers who really have not even been recognised for the amount of work that that they've done and and could easily lead to school. And you know, unfortunately, you know, it's just, that's just a reality. Yeah, indeed. You know, it's a harsh one, you know, but there are there are some uh, some absolutely amazingly talented people out there who, unfortunately, um, it can be due to the way they dress, not having that confidence to move forward because they don't see the point, or you know, they don't think they're going to be able to fall with themselves, you know. So it's that kind of. You know, it's it's almost like well, there's not it's like self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. There's no point going for that because I'm not going to get it anyway. 
Yeah. Kind of thing, you know, and that doesn't need addressing. I mean, he's addressing, he's, you know, and I've seen that in the three decades I've been in education. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Probably less in the further and higher education. Yeah. But definitely in secondary. Um, and, and probably not so much in primary. Secondary seems to be that kind of like that middle ground. Yeah. Let's, let's hope there's a bright future. Let's hope oh, we see absolutely, some change. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap things up there. Um, we, we start with racial slurs. We've kind of gone up tangents all over the place, but that's great because um, it's good to have a conversation with you. And um, hope to get you on again soon for another topic, perhaps. Absolutely. I'd love to, yes. Yeah, so hope to get you on for another one at some point soon in the future. And depending on what topics come up, because I had a few sort of um, people, listeners, should I say, who've asked for certain things. So I'll uh, I'll send you the list of topics and you can see if you want to comment on one of them perhaps in the future. <laughs>